Well, we just wanted to start out this week and, and kind of riding off of what Tom had spoken about last week. That was tough, wasn't it? Yeah? W- was anybody here a little convicted? We were too, weren't we? So we, we kind of want to come with a, a message this week, and uh, we've got a little different format than a normal message. We had done this message back before COVID on a Sunday night, and uh, we were kind of off to the side, and we decided to make it more like a little talk show and <laughs> informative this way, a little more down to earth, and we even allowed for, for questions at the end. The problem was we went an hour and 45 minutes, <laughs> so we don't want to put anybody to sleep today or uh, have anybody miss their lunch or, or birthday parties or anything like that. So we're going to break this up into two parts today, and really today we're going to get into, um, you know, basically, what is a disciple? A lot of people really don't know. We hear about them, you know, we, we hear stories about them in the Bible, but a lot of people, I didn't know what, what one was either. And then kind of, uh, you know, what's discipleship and, and you know, kind of uh, who needs to do it and why? These are great questions. Next week, we'll get more into the practical applications of how we really carry this out. But uh, this week, we're going to lean more on uh, defining that. And, uh, but we want to tell everybody here today in a message of unity with everybody, uh, as last week was very convicting, uh, and we were too, you know what, we come with a message of hope today because the cross and the gospel is it's a message of hope for all of us. We've been redeemed. Yeah. And you know what, we yeah. can do this. We can, you know, Tom talked about so many youths that had fallen away, but you know what, we can take back that ground. And the good news is, you know what, we can do it together, can't we? Let's praise God. Jeff, I kind of wanted to start off with uh, a little bit of background with you. Yeah. Kind of what's, how did you really get drawn into discipleship? It's a great story. Tell me about it. it. These guys would love to hear it. What happened to you? Yeah, I've, sh- I've shared this a, a little bit in the past, and um, really it was uh, a few years ago. Um, you know, I had been uh, been doing lots of, been involved in lots of ministries here, doing lots of service involved, uh, connect group ministry and everything, but back in 2018, the Lord really laid on my heart this this idea, he asked me, you know, wh- am I really going to yield to the Lord and, and what he asks me to do? And uh, some of you may recall in, in, in mid-2018, um, one morning, the Lord said, hey, um, I want you to go to India. And uh, so I said yes to that. Wasn't sure how I was going to make it there, but <coughs> things worked out. And by January 1st, 2019, I was in India. And uh, India has, I forget, it's like 1.3 billion people, I believe. And I think only like less than 3% are Christian. And I was in Mumbai. It's one of the largest cities in the world. There's 20 million people in Mumbai. And we're walking down the street, and I'm in just crowds of people. As I've, as I've said before I, to my wife or to others, you know, I could have swung my hand out and just hit like five or six people. It's just crowded. And I did what, you know, uh, I don't know, some of us may do. I was like, Lord, which one of these people do you want me to share with? And I just felt like as much audible as it could be, I just heard the Lord say, anyone, (laughs) just anyone. And as I looked around, I was just, I was crushed by the idea that 3% of these people are going to heaven and the rest have no idea who Jesus is. And... I came back from that trip, and I was just intensely convicted and, and uh, ex- examined myself. I'm like, what, what am I doing? What am I really doing? And I was brought back to the Great Commission, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. And I realized that I had taken that commandment of Jesus and been like, okay, that's for, that's for the evangelists. Um, that's for the people who are, are gifted speakers. That's for the people who have those outgoing personalities. My job is just to, you know, sit behind these four walls. And so over the course of the next year, really, I really dug into and began to study what is discipleship, what is disciple making, and realized 
man, I have been disobeying for years. I've been a Christian since I was a child. I mean, I would say I've been really following Christ for at least 25 years. And all this time, I've been disobeying. Mm -hmm. That's what just came to my heart. And so I've decided, yes, Lord, I'm going to obey and make disciples. Well, I, I noticed, too, there, there were pivotal points in India, and even before that, you were, your cage was kind of rattled when you took uh, the, the class Radical by David Platt. Yeah. And uh, I noticed, you know, like I said, you can tell when people are really on fire about something because there's kind of a zeal look in their eye. And he, he would come to class, and there would be this alive look, and you could tell that uh, he was more on fire about it. Uh, what happened, too, after you read, I know uh, – you read Letters to the Church by Francis Chan, yeah. and that really just messed you up, didn't it? It did, because it just it was a it was a it was a book about redefining what we see church and how we how we see our walk with the Lord. It was uh, trying to extract us from this this culture that we've grown up in and really take a fresh look at what does it mean to be the church, what does it mean to be a disciple, and. Um, I just started re-examining myself, like, <coughs> what, what am I doing? Am I just doing what I've always been taught versus what Scripture just clearly says? That, that brought so much humility out of yeah. you, didn't it? It did, absolutely. But what about you? What's your testimony, Alex? How did you get here? Well, way back when. No. <laughs> uh, y- you know, I don't know if anyone here has ever, you know, been in, in between a, a church or left a church and gone to another one, but... We were in the process of that, and uh, my wife and I had had a lot of questions in our lives, and, and much like you two, uh, Jeff had had a point, too, where he was kind of thinking, there's got to be more than church than just Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, people that, we all want more. And uh, during the week, you get highs and lows. And so I was the same way, and, and my wife and I had felt like that, felt like we hadn't heard from God in almost two years. You know, should we move? Back then, we were maybe thinking about having another child, and, and we just wanted to really hear from God. And so we we exited this, you know, the church we were going to, and and uh, went to another one for a while. And uh, one of the founders of this church was speaking, and uh, really rattled our cages that day. And uh, so I, I went up to him, and I always had had this burning feeling before then too, and it even had some dreams and some thoughts about why does the world have so much control over us? Why is our, our world being so whipped about when greater is he than he is in us than he is in the world? You know, it didn't make sense to me. And so uh, I asked that, uh, and uh, it was Lynn, and, and uh, he said, uh, have you been listening to my podcast? And I said, no, I've just been really kind of journaling, and, and, and he said, we need to start meeting. And so that set me up for discipleship I, I didn't really know what it was mm-hmm. and uh, you know I thought it was just like a, a program you did like you would sign up for a class but it, it, it really uh, you know it took me into this spiritually being parented challenged uh, put outside of my comfort zone you know weekly going to make uh, peace with people that I was at odds with that I'm going how am I going to do this I'm, I'm, you know they're going to reject me and uh it was this massive enlarging of my capacity and being in the word all the time and memorizing messages and pulling over on the side of the road even to go, I got to write this nugget down. And you look back and the cops are behind you with their lights on. <laughs> you know, they come up, what are you doing? I'm writing notes down from a sermon. They look at you like you're crazy. But it was this really just diving in and uh, submersing yourself in the gospel. And then when you, you know, when you really dive in, God, he, he doesn't hide himself from us like that song was. And you start to discover like layers of the onion are being peeled back. And each one is more powerful than the one that you had before. And you're in awe of how much God loves you and how much God is really with you. And through all these things that you're commissioned out to do during the week, he's holding your hand. Mm -hmm. And so it it was, uh, you know, that's kind of how it happened to me. You know, I kind of stumbled into it out of, uh, I would say, Eric called it the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God has a plan. He has one for all of us. But that's kind of how it started for me. And, you know, and it's kind of it's still going. Uh, that discipleship program, uh, people ask me that they, from the other church. They'd say, hey, uh, how long are you going to do this? My, your mom said you're doing this. And uh, I'd say, well, I'm going to do it the rest of my life. Yeah. 
you know, this is a lifestyle. Yeah. This is evangelism and how we spread the gospel yeah. outside of the church. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started. So, but kind of going and, and diving right in, uh, Jeff, in, from what you read and what you understand of the Bible, and you're a great student of the Bible, how would you define what is a disciple from what you've extracted? Yeah, and there's a, obviously there's a lot to this. We could, we yeah. could go for hours and hours and hours, but I don't think you guys want us to do that. <laughs> but uh, obviously the main verse here, and Tom shared it last week, we've alluded to it, it's the Great Commission, right, Matthew 28. Um, and just setting the stage for this, the context of this is Jesus had been, you know, he's been resurrected from the dead, and he told his disciples, hey, go meet me in Galilee. Everybody come to Galilee, and these are some of the final words that Jesus said to them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the, to the, end of the age. And it's interesting, as I've read this verse and I've heard some people talk about it, um, someone posed this really interesting question, and I'll pose this question to you. If you were given all authority all power, all resources, you had everything in your hands, what would you do with it? And if, if we extract ourselves from this context, I think we would be like, well, I, I, would, I would bring world peace. <laughs> I would solve world hunger, right? Um, you know, Jesus could have here, he could have said, you know what? I've, he basically said, I've, I've risen from the dead. I've conquered sin, death, and the grave. Sin is gone. I have all authority back. I'm going to just, everybody's a Christian. He could have. It's heaven on earth then. It is. Yeah. But he didn't. Here's a guy with Jesus, total authority, and the thing he says is, uh, now you go. You, you go make disciples. You know, you can think of it, those of you who are in the military, right? When you get orders, you don't say, eh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. You know, like, what he has authority. He told me to do something. Yes, sir. And back to when I was sharing about that yielding message, that yielding idea that the Lord gave me back in 2018, this is it. When he said, all authority has been given to me, go. The only answer we as Christians have is, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. yes. We were, uh, you and I have always enjoyed the story, too. We heard another guy was talking about it. And, I, you know, the term all authority, that's so heavy, it's a lot of weight. Uh, it was said, he says, you know, paraphrasing, Jesus is kind of saying here to really get this context. And he's talking to 120 people. That's the only people still left following. There's not a mega church. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't fill up, you know, someplace in Houston. Yeah. It's just 120 people risking their lives, by the way. Mm -hmm. and, and he's basically telling them, hey, listen, I just got raised from the dead to tell you this. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we know. We've been seeing you. You even walk through walls sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> and he's, but he, he literally says, I just got raised from the dead to tell you this, so listen up. Mm -hmm. I'm getting ready to go away, but and I'm going to come back. But until then, here's what I want you to be doing. Yeah. Go make disciples of all nations. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's heavy. And, and, but it's funny. A lot of times, I was, I'm so guilty of this, and I have been. That's the last thing I do. That's what I was doing for 25 years. Yeah. Not, not doing it. Yeah, his <laughs> last words need to be my first work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that word disciple there, um, it's the Greek word there. It's called mathetes. I think that's how you say it, mathetes, uh, when it says go make disciples. And it simply means a student, a pupil, or an apprentice. And so when we think of an apprentice, at least when I think of an apprentice, I think of like, you know, a blacksmith, right, teaching someone how to be a blacksmith, right, or, or um, you know, a vocation or something like that. But like an apprentice, you know, a disciple is someone who disciplines themselves in the teachings and practices of another with the purpose of becoming like the leader. Mm -hmm. And so we see this happen in, in the Gospels, and there's this invitation in Matthew 4, 19. It's uh, when Jesus sees Simon and Andrew, right? And he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Jesus was inviting these guys to be his disciples. And so if you think about it, like in, the, in that culture, in the Hebrew culture, dis- disciple making like this was very common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they probably knew that Jesus was a rabbi. They probably knew that he was a teacher. Um, and they knew what it meant to follow a rabbi. A lot of those in that generation, the men grew up in Torah class. They went to school. And those who wanted to go on and follow a rabbi, they followed a specific rabbi. Some who didn't, I guess, didn't think they could cut it went and became fishermen, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, we see in Acts that John the Baptist had disciples. Um, surely the Pharisees, Sadducees, they had disciples, right? So when Jesus came to these guys and said, come follow me, they knew what he was asking. They're like, this guy's a rabbi, this guy's a teacher. Okay, this means I leave everything behind I become your apprentice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow you, obey you, mm-hmm. and do what you do. So when he was asking them to follow him, he was saying, learn from me, become like me, obey me. Yeah, even looking back in the Old Testament, you know, we had, uh, you look at Joshua, basically was discipled by Moses. Or, you know, you look at uh, Eli was, I mean, Samuel was, was discipled by, mm-hmm. you know, Samuel was by Eli. And so, yeah, I think it was, and one thing they didn't do, they didn't say, hey, you know, I'll go think about it. Yeah, I, I need to go eat or something, or, you know, or, or they didn't give it what we say a lot of times. We'll pray about it. We'll get back yeah, to you oh, in let a few pray weeks, about it, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> you hear that one a lot, don't you? Because oh, I've, I've done said it, it too. I've said it a lot. I, I've said it a lot. Have I not? Yeah. I'll, I'll pray on that. I've told you that before. I'll, I'll pray about it, you know. <laughs> no, it was, I think, you know, an honor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just off the top of my head, even thinking like if these guys didn't, if they were fishermen, they didn't probably think they could cut it following a rabbi. <laughs> but Jesus comes and he asks these guys, right? I'm sure there were waiting lists for all the top rabbis, right? Hey, I want to yeah. follow this guy. Well, let me put you on the waiting list. Yeah, and by the <laughs> way, you know, Peter was uh, basically illiterate, so yeah. he wasn't going to get on that list anytime soon. Yeah. yeah what do we see? We even see in Acts. This isn't in our script here, but yep. we even see in Acts, you know, where I think it's in Acts, where they say uh, they were confounded by what the disciples were saying, and they realized That's they right. had been with Jesus. That's right. You know, the San, yeah, the Sanhedrin. Yeah, they were, yeah, yeah. They, they were amazed. Yeah. So Jesus, he wasn't asking these guys just for mental assent or simple agreement, right? And and that's how I took the Great Commission. Yeah, I agree. Go make disciples. Uh, Mike Brown will do that. He'll go. He'll go and do that. He'll evangelize, or, or, or other people who have that gift. I agree, but he wasn't asking for that. He was asking to follow, right? And so, what's cool about this verse is you can we can break this verse down. In Matthew four nineteen, come follow me. A disciple is committed to following Jesus. And then Jesus said, I will make you. So a disciple is committed to being changed by Jesus. And he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So a disciple is committed to joining the mission of Jesus. And over the course of the the Gospels, we can see this (coughs) happening as the disciples follow Jesus. If you just recall all the stories, everything we've read in the Gospels, we see Jesus, or we see the disciples with Jesus as he was teaching the crowds. So they were following him. They were with him. They asked Jesus to, hey, help me understand that, right? When he explained a parable, they're like, I don't get this, Jesus. They were asking him questions. Uh, they worked alongside of Jesus. They were with him, right? Well, uh, I'm just thinking the, the feeding of the 5,000. That's right. Right? He worked, they worked with Jesus. He said to do stuff, do it. Um, you know, they obeyed him. They were on mission with him. He sent them out two by two. Um, he debriefed them when they got back. He held them accountable. We even see occasions where Jesus confronted the disciples. Yes. And their behavior. You know, when they're jockeying on who's the greatest in the, uh, in the kingdom. Can I sit at your right left hand? He confronted them. Yes. And so we see all of this. We see them following Jesus being changed by Jesus and joining on the mission of Jesus. We see that over the course of the whole Gospels. And, what's, and it's, it's our example to follow as we make disciples. That look at what Jesus did. Let's do what he did. And you had a key word in all those. Committed. Yeah. Committed. 
kind of like when you wrote that blog and wrote devoted, like in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to yeah. the apostles' teaching. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about what Jesus do, what a model he laid out too. Yeah. He opened his life, shared it with his disciples, spent time and lived with them, taught and laid out the ultimate example of what it looks like to follow God down to even laying down his own life. Perfect example. Yeah. And that, that really molds, you know, what, what we're going to do in discipleship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Everything that Jesus did in disciple making took place in the context of community and relationship. It wasn't the disciples didn't show up on Tuesday night and go to a class. That's right. And be like, see you next week, Jesus. No, it was they were in constant relationship being changed by him. Uh, and the disciples were in relationship with one another. Too. Yes. You know, again, it wasn't just like, see you next Tuesday. It was, you know, throughout. I mean, they lived together. And we're not asking if all of us to live together. We're not. We're not. Yeah. We're not. We're not a commune. Are and we? We're not going for a commune, are yeah. we? No. But it's it's we're being in relationship for the purpose of being changed by Jesus and following Him. <laughs> you know, they weren't simple acquaintances. And so, in, in our context, you know, we actually we we would love to have Jesus here and us to say, "Yes, I'm going to follow you," right, and have Him physically here with us, right? But um, He didn't leave us empty he didn't leave us just hanging not at all when when he left right that's right you know he left us his example he left us his words he left us his commandments in the bible um he left us the holy spirit absolutely and the spirit says the spirit it will teach us and train us bring all truth to us uh and since jesus was his mission was to replicate faithful followers of himself we have other faithful followers of christ who can help us we're not just left on our own to do this. Right. Yeah, this is where the body comes in. We talk about the body. This is where unity really plays a part. We all need each other in this. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just a few people being called to do this. All of us are. And we all bring something different to it. I learn a lot from Jeff. You know, I, I said that the other day. I go, I'm not trying to be weird, but you kind of helped complete me in this process. Yeah. I wasn't trying to sound like the movie Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> You complete me. You complete me. You bring a piece to my puzzle that finishes it. He completes us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so uh, if we could summarize just some of what we just said, you know, a disciple is a diligent, disciplined learner and follower of Christ, someone who's intentionally positioning themselves in an accountable relationship with Jesus and other believers. Um, they hold each other accountable. They spur one another on towards spiritual maturity. Uh -huh. And they learn from Jesus, the word of God, and one another. Yes. Allowing spiritual truth to transform them. And you said a key word there. Yeah. Accountable. Yeah. Accountable. Absolutely. You know, w uh, a disciple sees and follows Jesus' example and one another's and what it means to follow Christ. You know, it's one of the greatest things we can have in our life is someone else to follow you know we see uh throughout the epistles paul multiple times saying imitate me as i follow christ you know he says this to timothy often um he says to multiple others follow me as i follow christ imitate me and so as christians we should be imitating christ for those people that we are in disciple making relationship you know something i'm seeing here too we're talking about these things about what a disciple is and there's you know we're not trying to say you need to check these off the box but this kind of sums itself up in um, when we say devoted and committed all this uh, it's total surrender to Christ mm -hmm. and you know the question that's been posed before am I willing to serve Christ in the Great Commission being a disciple or the gospel in its entirety on the on his conditions and not my own with these commands and uh, it's total reliance on Christ for everything. And that totally aligns with Proverbs 9.10, too, being the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or John the Baptist saying, you know, I must decrease so that Christ may increase. Mm -hmm. And that's a place of humility. You know, discipleship and being a disciple is total humility because, you know, God can't work in your pride, your anger, your flesh, but he will work miracles. I was always taught that in discipleship. He'll work miracles through your humility. Mm -hmm. That's when the grace of God, which is the supernatural provision of God, 
to make difficult and impossible things in your life literally easy. When you open up that humility valve, so to speak, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, then you start to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah, yeah. So I think at this point, it's probably good just to have some definitions here. Right. So um, part, of the, part of the difficulty with discipleship is it has come to mean so many things to so many people. Everybody has a different definition what it is. And so I think what's best is that we all have the same definition so we all know what we're all talking about, right? So that when Sean says discipleship, it's not different than when Alger says discipleship. So one of the key words here is what is disciple making? And that's what I like to use, disciple making. It kind of gets us away from just discipleship because, you know, it has all sorts of different definitions. But disciple making, and I totally stole this from somebody. So (laughs) I did not make this up, but I just love his definition Intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the spirit of God in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Yes. That's disciple making. And that includes the whole process from conversion through maturation, bringing them to maturity through multiplication. Because the goal is to multiply. Mm -hmm. There's that word again, intentional again. Yeah, absolutely. So because of that... You know, here's a question that I hear a lot, and we've kind of answered some of this already, but, you know, who is called to make disciples and why? Yeah. Before we get there, a couple more definitions. Please. Yeah. Uh, So disciple maker. A disciple maker is a disciple of Jesus who enters into relationship with people to help them trust and follow Jesus. And then we have disciple. Sorry, let me go back. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> we can email you the PowerPoint as I well. can send you the PowerPoint too, absolutely. If you could rewatch the live stream. You can. You could do that too. So discipleship, I just like to say discipleship is just the state of being dis- a disciple. I'm in discipleship. I'm a disciple. And then finally, we could just, I guess I left one out, didn't I? I think I left out what is a di- no disciple. I left. I put that at the beginning. Yeah. Someone who's being changed by Jesus. Someone who follows Jesus. So the question you asked is who yes. should do it? Simple answer. Yes. Every one of us. Every one of us. All of us. Everyone who has received and proclaimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior is commanded to go make disciples. You know, I've I wrestled with this personally. Because I'm a kind of an introverted person. Uh, you know, Mike, you want us to get out of our comfort zone? This is not my comfort zone. You look comfortable. I, I, I'm with you. You, okay. com- you complete me. <laughs> <laughs> See, you are good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Everyone. Everyone's Everyone called is disciple. called to do this. Um, and so I, I, I battled this, like, you know, is the Great Commission, is it just for, was it just for the disciples? Was it just for the evangelists? But... You know, in the Great Commission, it says, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. Yes. And so the question, I'll ask you this. Is the Great Commission something that he's commanded that we should teach? Yes. So included in the Great Commission was the command to do the Great Commission. Yes. And so that's what really struck me is like, I'm not exempt from this. No. And and when people try to use that thing about, you know, uh, just evangelism. If discipleship is true evangelism, it's, it's, I mean, can we do any better than Jesus' example of evangelism? Can you do any better than Jesus? Well, then 2 Timothy 4 5 tells us to do the work of evangelists, and that's making disciples. Yeah. So the Great Commission doesn't leave anybody out. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm on the right spot here. I think I am. Let's just jump forward, see where we're at. <laughs> This is live, by the way. Um, so disciple-making r- is the p- God's plan for the spread of the gospel. Why yes. do we disciple? Because it's always been God's plan from the beginning. One of the, Another thing that I've, I've, I've just found amazing, he, you know, Jesus said that the Old Testament is all about him. Mm-hmm. You guys realize that? He's in, in, in the Gospels, he said the Old Testament 
is about me. And so we see in Genesis 1, at the very, very beginning, when God made man and woman, what did he tell the man and woman? Anybody? What be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And Tom alluded this l- to last week to the Great Commission. You know what the Great Commission is? Be fruitful and multiply. Just as he called man and woman to be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, subdue the earth. Now here he is, he's left, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. It's the same thing. Reproduction is always God's plan for the spread across the face of the earth, whether it's mankind itself in the beginning or whether it's disciple-making in the gospel. And so, you know, imagine, you know, Jesus, you know, in the beginning, be fruitful, multiply, Alex. You had Tori, and what if you brought Tori home that day, and you just said, there's the fridge, there's your bed, go. (laughs) You know, I think we would probably call that child abuse, right? Yeah. But so many times, that's how we treat being a Christian. Hey, here's your Bible. It's basically, you know a book for rocket scientists, yes. you know, it'd be like, it'd be like, I want to be an astronaut. Okay, here's the NASA manual. Go. What? What, what do I do with this? You mm-hmm. know, what do I do with this? We can't just throw the Bible at somebody and be, and say, go to church on Sunday, read this book. Good. You're good. Yeah, they have to be spiritually parented. Yeah, they have to be parented, right? So the gospel, you know, it's not supposed to end with us it's not relegated relegated to somebody with the gift of evangelism you know it's it didn't end by just coming to you when someone shared the gospel with you that wasn't all right i'm saved i'm good that's it there's there's something more than that and you you talk about spiritually parenting you know god is the ultimate father you can't get any better than him i mean Ephesians 2.10 says, for where his workmanship's crea- you know, created in Christ Jesus for good works, mm-hmm. which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God loves to work through his kids. Like you, We like to see our kids accomplish great things, and it gives us great satisfaction, contentment, and pride. I, ca- I can't imagine how it feels for God. Yeah. See, you know, I, I don't love like he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I heard this statement uh, as I've been studying, and it said the gospel came to you because it's going somewhere else. That's right. It came to you because it's going Going somewhere somewhere else. else. It didn't come to you just to get, stay there, get your blessing, get get your Jesus on. (laughs) (laughs) It came to you because it's heading somewhere else. I mean, if you think about it, could Jesus have just come to the earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and been done with it? Mm-hmm. He could have, could but have. would we be sitting here right now? Nope. Because we never would have heard the message. I, it's interesting in John 17, I, I don't have this for you, but I encourage you to go read it. If you read the first, it's like the first 20 verses of John 17. Jesus hasn't yet gone to the cross, and uh, this is where he prays, and he says, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one. It's, mm-hmm. it's that great priestly prayer. But at the beginning, he says, I came and I've accomplished the work you gave me to do. That's right. He hadn't even went to the cross yet. And he said, I did the work that you had me come to do. You know what that work was? If you read it closely, you'll see that he's talking about the the, the ones you gave me, the disciples. They listen to your word. They know your word. They believe I am from you. The work that God gave Jesus was to pour himself into these 12 guys because. Right. He knew when he was going to leave, he needed somebody else to carry the message. Yes. And you look at John 17 and 20. Uh, he's praying for all of us here today, for those that will believe. Yeah. And it's resulting when the disciples carried out after him uh, for our unity with one another, we may be one as he is one with the Father. And so thankful for discipleship that we're all here today. We wouldn't be. Had yeah. they not went out and changed the world by Jesus' example, Spending 90%, think about this, nine-tenths of, of Jesus' ministry time was just with 12 guys. Yeah. 
He didn't have a mega church. Yeah. Nine tenths of his time was pouring into just 12 guys so that we could be here today. Mm-hmm. So what could we do with all of, of us? Yeah. There's more than 12 of us here, and one of them fell away, obviously, right? Yeah. What could we do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if the gospel was simply just salvation and sanctification, <sighs> how would it spread? Right. How, w- how would it go, you know? So one of the things I've really been praying about, and I, even just this has just been really recently, is, you know, again, why do we do this? And it's the harvest. Yes. It's the harvest. We see Jesus in John four thirty-five. This is just after he's met the woman at the well, and he's told her everything about herself, right? And she runs back off. I'm going to tell everybody what you've done. And the disciples are there, and he says, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Disciple making and the spread of the gospel is Jesus' plan. Yes. It's not just encouraging each other, ministering to Yes, the church is about building up the body. Yes. But we are all called to go into the harvest and find that person. I mean, this is for his glory. Uh, and that's, what, that's going back to my India story. Yeah. That's what convicted me is I was in the harvest. I mean, there couldn't have been a bigger harvest. And I felt so lost. Like, I've, I'm, I'm disobeying. I've been disobeying. I'm here because I, I, you called me to come here. And, and honestly, as I look back at that, all you guys who sowed that seed for me to go to India, and I've said thank you. I say thank you again. You've sowed this into me, where I'm at right now. It was it was God's wake up call to me when I was in the harvest and I saw how lost everybody was. And like, I have to change. I have to do something different. It didn't stop with sanctification and salvation with you either, because especially on that trip, you know, it's all great when we're saved, when we're thankful. But if we look at the real, you know, when you look at discipleship and what this is carrying out, this is the point that where you mature in Christ and you start to go, I can't stand to see lost people because I know they're going to go to hell. And if I'm really in Christ, I have to love these people yeah. actually more than myself. And I didn't want to go there. And I'm so thankful that I've been saved. I have no other option than to go and, and share the gospel with them too because mm-hmm. i got to put value and so that's one of the biggest things I see about that is that, you know, in true discipleship, the true Great Commission is also when we start to not only love ourselves in a better way, but love others in ways we never dreamed of before. And we can't stand to see the lost. We're grieved that yeah. there's billions of people that are still lost. And yeah. then we, we start to go, you know, the cost of discipleship is high. Mm-hmm. It's messy. It's a time-consuming. But the cost of non-discipleship, oh, yeah. oh it's so much higher. So much with higher. so many people that are lost. I mean, look at our society today. Yeah. The cost of non-discipleship is higher than anything you'll ever put in. Yeah. And I think I think Jesus probably saw that because again, in this other verse in Luke 10 too, oh, he's uh, saying good. we need laborers. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the mm. harvest. That's good. And so when we're grieved by the loss, we can pray, pray for laborers. And I know I've talked with, I've talked with several disciple makers outside of this congregation and they, they've, they've even said to me, you're an answer to that prayer, Jeff. That's right. We've been praying for years that the Lord would send out laborers and you're wanting to labor. You're an answer to that prayer. And so I pray that you guys would also be answers to that prayer. When we look at, new, you know, we've been called to change this town. Christ in you is the answer reaching outside of these four walls for this town. Uh, for Oxycontin problems and all these other things. The Great Commission is the answer for Newcastle, Indiana, and the rest of the world. Yeah. It's the answer. Yes. Yeah. You know, another passage we see. Oh, here we go. I forgot to have this one. Let me <laughs> talk about this first. That's but again, one. the end goal, the end goal, I forgot I had it on here, the end goal <laughs> is Matthew 24, 14. You know, this is the, in this chapter, the, the disciples are asking Jesus, tell us about when is the end going to come? Yeah. And, you know, 
you know, they talk about, you know, there'll be pestilence and famine and all this stuff. But then the end is not yet going to come. The end is going to come when this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We get to partake in bringing about Jesus's return. What an honor. Who wants Jesus to return? We get to partake in that as we share the gospel and make disciples. He's going to come when it's been proclaimed to the whole world. It's even been contended by some, we've heard, yeah. that we've possibly delayed that by being lethargic about it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's possible. But I love this passage in 2 Corinthians. We, we get to see the ministry of reconciliation. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Continuing, and that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. What's, what's awesome about this verse is you see that we are new creations and we are ambassadors. Is there an option there? Can you be new and not be an ambassador? No, it says we are both new and an ambassador. So we can't be an ambassador if we haven't been made new. And we're made new through accepting Christ. But we've been given this ministry. Again, it goes back to Matthew 28 when he said, all yes. authority has been given to me, go. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry to go and share the gospel and make disciples of those people. God working through us, making his appeal through us. If you've been made new in Christ, you are his ambassador. It, again, it's not going back to where I was, like, uh, that's great commission. That's for somebody else. Like, no, it's clear here. You've been made new. You're an ambassador. Yeah, it kind of goes back to uh, what you and I were taught. If I really believe this gospel and I've accepted Christ, this should have radical implications for my life. You know, true repentance is a turning away. And so you actually have no choice but to become an ambassador. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at where some of us were. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Now you have the chance to replicate what happened in you with other people. Who, who doesn't want to do that, right? Yeah. How about you, Mike? When you told me your story, he was homeless at one point. Look how far he's come. Like, you don't want to replicate that? Yeah. We have no choice. Yeah. And, and, and don't hear what we're not saying here. We're not saying we all need to be super... Christians. We're not all saying we have to be Peters and Pauls and everything, right? No. Um, you know, I've, I don't have the verse, but I know it says somewhere, <laughs> God uses the weak things of the world to confound right. the wise. That's right. We are all weak vessels Yes. that he uses to confound the wise. We're inadequate, but he qualifies us. Right. And you know what? It's not who we are. Right. That makes us great and able to do this. It's the message we carry. That's right. Paul says that the gospel is the power of God right. to salvation. salvation. You know, he even said, Paul even says that he's not a good speaker. Yeah. Or it goes back and says, I'm the chief of sinners. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to the whole crux when we look at the call to make disciples. Everything, have you noticed, everything that Jesus commands is something that you can't do in your flesh. Yeah. Loving. You know, when, when you look at making disciples, all of that is you coming to the end of yourself and the beginning of Christ. Because if you're doing this out of pride or selfish ambition, you're going to fall flat on your face. Yeah. But it's only when you're walking in true humility, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through you, does any of this ever even have a chance yeah. of working. Yeah. And there's a, there's a high cost oh. to discipleship. And I think sometimes we forget some of what Jesus has shared about this. That's right. You know, we see in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father, mother, wife, children, and brothers and sisters, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And, and I know as we read that, we're like, I got to hate my, I got to, hey, Michelle, I got to hate you. 
My kids, <laughs> I got to hate you to follow Christ. What he's saying here is your love for me should pale in comparison to how, how you love others. Well, I'm sorry, I got that backwards, didn't I? But basically, the amount you love for me, it should make it look like you hate your spouse. Your You're exactly kids. right. Yeah, we, we had learned, uh, you know, in Jewish culture, the term hate wasn't kind of, we've kind of hijacked that term in our society today. Yeah. It just meant to really put at a lower importance on the scale. Yeah. But let's say we were in a society, though, that was a different religion. You may have to totally disown your own parents, though, to serve Christ yeah. if they're not going to serve Christ. Yeah. Because he's to be primary. Yeah. Yeah, I've read stories of people, you know, Muslim nations, Hindu nations, they're, they're standing at that water ready to be baptized, and they're really taking that deep gulp because they know if I take this step into the water— I'm, I could be thrown out of my family. I could be killed. Yes. And I'm taking a step to really follow Christ here, and it could really screw things up. That's the sign, I think, of the gospel. Uh, we don't like to talk about as much, isn't it? The yeah. cost. The cost. Absolutely. And in John 12, Jesus says this. Uh, some This is during Passover week. Some Greeks come to him. They're like, hey, I want to meet this Jesus guy. Let's hear what he has to say. And he says this to them. Truly, I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. He doesn't mince words. No. <laughs> and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor me. You know, obviously, in, the, in this case, this is just before he goes to the cross. And so he's alluding to himself as that grain of wheat that falls to the earth and dies. And, and he rises again and bears much fruit. But he's also talking about each and every one of us as disciples. When we willingly deny ourselves, our desires, lay ourselves down and let him grow us. Yes. There is much fruit. You know, that seed. That grain of wheat, that grain of corn, when it goes in the ground, it produces lots of corn just from that one seed. And so what Jesus is asking us is, will you die to yourself and let the harvest come afterwards? That's good. You know, I told you this morning, you know, uh, last night my family and I, we watched End of the Spear. Um, it's good a great show. movie if you haven't seen it. But it's about the missionary Nate Saint. He went down to Ecuador uh, and try to minister to these uh, natives there, and he was murdered on a beach trying to bring them to Christ. But his death brought that whole culture, that whole uh, community to Christ through what followed after his death. He was willing Powerful. to lay his life down. Yes. You know, and that's what Jesus is asking us. Maybe some of us physically lay our lives down. Maybe it's just our selfish motive. There could be some of us called to different mission fields, but he's asking, will you follow? Yeah, it's, it's always, uh, you know, it's ev every time he gave a command or when he, when he said, follow me, he wasn't saying who's half-hearted. It was, we use the term all in. Yeah. Uh, anything else wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. What I've seen in um, especially our, our American church culture yeah. is that we've created this gap between being saved and being a disciple. And what it's actually done is it's produced consumers, consumer <laughs> mentality, where I come and get what I want, yeah. but I don't necessarily go and do what you want. Why do you think that's happened? Well, I, I, I think it's, honestly, it's just part of our culture, yeah. American culture, the me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, you know? That's right. Um, it's, I want what I want, I only want what makes me feel good, I want pleasure, I want comfort, and um, we're not willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah, but I think that's the key word is comfort. We've been so comfortable. Even uh, I've heard recently that people even on the level of almost the poverty line are actually living better than kings and queens did as far as clean running water, sewage, availability to food, uh, roof over their head than kings and queens did almost 150 years ago. It's hard to fathom that, but I think, uh, you know, no one grows when they're comfortable, do they? No, no. Yeah, I mean, we don't ever see Jesus saying, uh, just receive me and you're good. Yeah. You know, 
He's all he always every single time invited people into relationship, follow, serve. It was never come and sit. It was always go and tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and and you know, look what he has to say. Drink my blood. You know, he's making some. He's very direct. Yeah. yeah all the time. Yeah. And in that in that passage, it's almost like. Jesus is going along, and he sees all these people following him, like, hey, this guy, he, he feeds his bread, he's healing everything, you know, I want to follow this guy, he's, he's really blessing me. Yeah. And it's like he turns around, and he's like, I'm not sure all these people are all in. Yeah. And then he says, whoever does not drink my blood and eat, eat my, my flesh, flesh can't be my disciple. And if you guys read that passage, it actually, you know what the next verse says? Many stopped following oh, him yeah. that day. Yes. He wanted to thin the herd. Yes. Because people weren't all in, and, and what do we what do we always read too that the d- disciples were probably going, oh geez, here comes this yeah. drink my blood and eat my flesh speech again, <laughs> you <laughs> know, and yeah. uh, he's gonna he's gonna th- that's a little that's a little rough. People have a hard time fathoming this today, and I did too, as did you, when we when we learned this. Jesus actually turned away more people than he brought in. Does that look like our evangelism model today? He turned away more people. But you got to think about this. If Jesus is the rock of integrity and he never sinned because he had to cover our sin, right? He had to tell him the truth, didn't he? He had to lay all the cards on the table. Otherwise, he wouldn't be who he says he is. But yeah, he literally turned away more people than he brought in. Yeah. Today's, you know, today's evangelism model, they'd say he, he's a failure. Yeah. I mean, they would probably, I mean... Just in America, if they lined up all the, the great church leaders in America, Jesus would probably be at the end of the line and be like, hey, Jesus, I've got 10,000 people. Yeah. You've only got 120, Jesus. You must be doing something wrong. <laughs> That's right. You know, but he, he really called for people to seriously follow and serve and be all in. Yes. And I don't know about you. I can probably assume this because you're a lot like me. I fall way short of that. All the time. I I. It's a daily struggle to be all in on this. And even as we share this message, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. No. I'm not there. I'm still learning. I, yeah, we jointly, we have more questions than we have answers. We don't have all this figured out. Uh, you can ask my wife. I fail more than I succeed, don't I? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that going back to last week's message too it was as convicting for me as it was you yeah and uh it hurt yeah so if we could just summarize all of what we just said <laughs> and you know i think we did it in less than an hour and a half <laughs> we're moving up <laughs> we're, aren't moving we? we're making progress you know so what is disciple making it's intentionally equipping believers with the word of god through accountable relationships empowered by the spirit of god in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Who does it? Every one of us. We've all been called to do it. It's God's model for reproduction. And why do we do it? We're reaching the lost for his glory. It's not just about us in this church making each other more mature because there are so many people outside of these four walls that need Christ. There's, like I said, in in India, I'm crushed. One, over a billion people that don't know Christ in India. And I've been far too consumed with what can Jesus do to bless me here? Yes. What can I do to get what I want here instead of making myself uncomfortable and really following him? Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Um, one thing it did change, too, was, you know, when you disobey the Lord, you feel a little separated from him. And when I really came to realize that I was actually disobeying the Lord by not obeying the Great Commission and then started obeying it, I'll say something. Does anyone here today sometimes lack inspiration in your life? Or do you ever fight depression or things like that? And you kind of go, I didn't grow up to be a rock star, so to speak. And I may be this old, but, you know, what was I really made for? Does anyone ever struggle with that? Maybe in the middle of the week when it's been tough? Making disciples that makes disciples gives you purpose in life because you're obeying God. And then his presence shows up. And when you have a purpose, all of a sudden you have a destination and you're going somewhere. And when you have that, you know what? You can put your feet on the ground every morning 
can actually believe in what you're doing instead of always praying for inspiration or reading self-help books you're obeying god almighty and you find out the whole way along as you have all these questions and you stumble you know we get up and stumble all the way to heaven but you realize he was holding your hand the whole way if you're here today and you're looking for real purpose real drive and a destination obey the great commission you'll get so much more out of it than what you put in yeah amen Amen. Well, what do you think? Do you think we've, we've clear covered it pretty well? Yeah. Do you think we've confused them? I, I sure hope so. <laughs> I, th- I think so. Next week will be more of the practical application again of it. But, we, you know, if we're going to talk about how to walk this out, we have to define it first. So that's why yeah. we kind of went through. Yeah. So is there – we're going to do something a little different. Have you ever left a message to and said – Hey, they spoke over my head, and you know I would have wanted to know what's really going on here. We're actually going to allow a few minutes here. Uh, if anyone has a question out in the crowd, we did this last time. Everyone seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, we thought it was practicing extreme humility, too, to just go, if you want to know anything, if you have a question about what we had to say, ask us. So are there any questions? Okay, Shelly Hansen, go ahead. I will come to you. You're not allowed to touch the mic. Then I'll take it and have it pulled up. And if you say something I don't like, I can pull it away. Yeah, you guys are so smart. And we may not have your answer anyway. So. Hey, so um, by the way, this was really, really good. Wasn't this? Uh, this was really good. Okay, anyway, but here's my question. I know that sometimes, and even I felt this way when I first got saved, it uh-huh. was I don't feel like I know enough to disciple somebody else. So are you going to address that next week, or is that something that you can address quickly what you know i don't know enough about the bible or maybe i haven't been discipled so how am i going to disciple somebody else and sure. all of that sure that is a great question that's one of uh you know when, I, when we were studying on the verge network with francis chan and, and david platt that's one of the top five myths about discipleship yeah. is that uh i'm not qualified if you are in christ you can disciple somebody you're always further ahead than somebody yeah. and you need to be discipled and as soon as you're discipled, then you go pass on. That's the greatest gift a disciple maker can ever get, is that the person that they're discipling passed on what they told them and didn't just keep it to themselves. But thank you for asking that, Shelley. Uh, that's one of the top five messes. I'm not qualified. If you're in Christ, signed, sealed, and delivered, you are qualified. Yes, absolutely. And I'll say this, um, you know, as, as someone who maybe doesn't know how to disciple, you may be discipling somebody, but at the same time being discipled at the That's same right. time. You know, um, anybody familiar with multi-level marketing schemes? Jesus was the original guy, okay? He was the one that created these Ponzi schemes <laughs> of sorts, right? <laughs> of, you know, you disciple somebody while you're discipling somebody while they're discipling somebody. And so having a spiritual parent, a mentor that is working on you, as you work on someone else or help someone else. So yeah, you only have to be a little farther ahead. I mean, it could be, I heard this message this week, I'm gonna go tell this person what I just learned, and that's all I, lear- that's all I know. But right. you know what? You're in relationship and you're teaching them something. And you don't have to have all the answers. No. no th- the great thing about discipleship and not having the answers is that we can sit down and discover it together in God's word. And we both grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it t- pursuant to your question, too, a lot of that depends on, too, what is the spiritual maturity of that person? And that's how we disciple them, too, based on their maturity. You know, we don't feed infant steak. And so uh, we'll get more into that next week, but excellent question. Yeah. Thank you, sister. Does anyone else have a question that we can quickly try to answer? These lights don't help. Oh, of course. Well, Bob Hughes. Bob Hughes. He always has a good question for me. Please, Bob. I'm not sure I uh, I forgot. Okay. Um, Mine's just a practical question, hopefully. Please. How do you get somebody to self-examine and self-reflect themselves if they feel they've been called to God for Pacific ministry only? Okay. And realize that Hey, I may have missed it. Good question. Can you repeat that one again, please? (laughs) Sorry, Bob. 
how do you get an individual uh-huh. to self-reflect uh-huh. and truly self-examine themselves yes. if they feel they've been called by God to a specific ministry only? And, and not to make disciples? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So someone who has their own gift and calling that they're following, and how does, how does this relate to making disciples? So you're... you're s- well, we, we, I basically, we go over that the Great Commission, number one, is a command, and, uh, and it doesn't rule anyone out. So we just simply uh, address them that in the context of your ministry or the context of anything you're doing, you're still to make disciples that make disciples. Uh, we can't just replicate a ministry. We have to replicate believers. Yeah. And so uh, that takes the gospel from inside the church, outside the church. We were never called to just minister inside the church. Well, we do, and that's called equipping. So we have to address the person on the question of, do you think it's okay to equip only and to never spread the gospel? Mm-hmm. The simple answer is no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I've, I've thought about this a little bit. Um, it's a great question. It is a great question. And I really, I've, I've personally, I've come to this conclusion on that, and that is that the giftings and the callings that God has given us, we use those in the context of disciple making. That's right. You know, Paul says that the gifts were for the building up of the church. Edification. So as I am pouring into somebody's life, as I'm discipling them, I am also using the gift, whether it's prophecy, whether whatever it is, God is using that through me to help build this person up. Right. And so we are all called to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got another question over here. Okay. apologize mine's not really a question it's more of a a self-reflection thing I didn't realize um, with my job that I was actually discipling these girls that I've been training Uh and it's made made me check myself like what am I actually teaching them Uh uh-huh so that's what I was wondering that's that's a powerful statement Um, discipleship um, you know sometimes you get I've heard this the guy who originally discipled me said I get actually more out of discipling you than you'll ever get out of me because it keeps you on your A game spiritually. And we can't replicate what we're not. If we're not a disciple, we're going to have very mediocre to poor results because we're not actually disciples. Here's the hard part. This is where you and I wrestle sometimes. You know, we'll go, geez, you can't make a disciple if you're not one yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and, and it when, when we think about that again, going back to what Jesus said, he, he didn't make two class of Christians. <laughs> he didn't make believers and disciples. He only said disciples. Yeah. And so that's what's convicted me a lot. Yeah. Is realizing I can't just, I didn't just sign up for this part of the gospel message. I signed up for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was a great observation absolutely you had but we can disciple yes. in our jobs everywhere we're at entering into a relationship with that person in order to replicate a follower of christ absolutely, absolutely. it's good uh how about one final question oh way up there can you, you can get a mic right i can <laughs> thanks chris That's a great question, and I think um, I think it, that gets more into the practical application of what is disciple making. There's, I've read there's multiple people that think different ways. You can only disciple a believer. There's other people that say you can disciple someone towards being a believer. Right. And so, I think again, it's wrapped up in what is our definition of disciple. But yes, definitely, as we're in contact with unbelievers we can have conversations that are pointing them to Christ. Yes. And, and bringing them more in line with, you know, what God's love is and what does God think about the situation that you're going through and begin to direct them towards him. Right. And in that moment when they say yes to Jesus, 
the fruit of your labors paid off, and now you can begin discipling them to be a follower of Christ. Great question. And Chris, we, we know you're asking because you have such a heart for evangelism. And so Jeff and I tend to lead more toward the school of thought that says you can because uh, Jesus didn't call us to go and only disciple believers. He actually wants to make disciples of all nations, and that's pure evangelism. And so uh, you can't reach the lost if you don't go to the lost. And, uh, you know, Jesus came to us. He's a consuming fire. And so he came to us. So you absolutely can. Uh, what we can't do, though, if I can talk someone into doing that most of the time, I very well could be manipulating them. It's got to be the Holy Spirit working through me. I can't pressure somebody into it. And I've done that before. Yeah, great, great question. We do see Jesus... I mean, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly just portraying who God is. Yeah. And in a sense, he's bringing people closer to an understanding of who God is and discipling them towards following him. Yeah. But, he, yeah, he never pressured anybody. He just laid it out and gave them free will. Yeah. Amen. Well, as Alex said, next week we are going to get more into the practical application of this. Uh, um, obviously, Tom's message last week, he, he was dealing very directly with as parents how do we disciple our children we're going to get into that a little bit how do we disciple our own children um, I've been doing that for a while and that's quite the journey <laughs> trying yes to figure out how to do that and so we're going to get more into the practical next week but we do pray that you guys uh, take this to heart and really examine yourselves um, like I did and see am I obeying am I following Jesus what is my part in doing the Great Commission? Yes. No shame again. If you're not doing this, we can all do it together. And next week we'll lay out a really good roadmap. It's not the only roadmap. But uh, again, we don't want anyone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen. So Amen. we're going somewhere good. Amen. The Holy Thank Spirit you so much. empowers us to do it. That's right. It's His grace. Amen. Thank you.